Welcome to Interlocutor Interviews. I'm Tyler Nessler, the founder of Interlocutor Magazine, which features in-depth coverage of creators, thinkers, performers, and artists of all types. You can check us out online at interlocutorinterviews.com. And if you're a fan of our arts coverage, you can sign up to be a subscriber or contributor via Patreon. Just click on the Patreon link on our site. So today I have with me singer and musician Yule. And what you just heard was the beginning to her song, when days meet ends, which I think is a great introduction to kind of the, the big orchestral scope of her music. So hello there, Yule. How are you? Hi, I am fantastic. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, happy to have you. Um, yeah, so we did an interview for the online edition of Interlocutor that was published uh, back in December. And, you know, I, I was thinking I could just repeat the intro that I used in our first intro or, or interview. Um, but actually, I'd like to hear it directly from you. So how how would you describe yourself as an artist, musician, performer, etc, especially to somebody who has yet to hear any of your work or not a lot of your work? Oh, that is a, <laughs> that's a great question that I think I'm still trying to find the answer to each time I write a song or make a video. Um, it's interesting, because yeah. whenever people ask me, what my music, how I could summarize my music or my videos or what I do, I have a hard time explaining it because I feel like it's changing so much. Right. Um, and it's a little hard to pinpoint. And the more I realize that, the more I realize that that's actually what I like about what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's definitely in the art pop, indie pop world. Um, definitely influenced by 80s divas like Kate Bush and Annie Lennox and yeah. Sinead O'Connor, Elizabeth Fraser, all my favorite um, female vocalists from that time. But right. um, yeah, I, I think my songs um, live in unique worlds of their own, or I, I like to think that they do. And I hope each one is a little different from the next. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, and there's also, I would say, kind of almost an element of, uh, would you, would this be an accurate description, kind of almost like performance art to what you do? Yeah, I I think I definitely view it through that lens and my involvement of it definitely feels that way. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why sometimes it also feels a little difficult to pinpoint because um, a lot of it does feel character or performance based, you know, not just... Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I definitely feel that way about my music for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's kind of, um, I would say like a Laurie Anderson element mm, to mm -hmm. what you're doing. Um, and especially, you. you know, I mean, I obviously haven't seen you perform live, but, um, going off your videos, especially that's kind of the impression I get because of the character <laughs> playing and all that. And we're definitely going to get into your videos in a little bit because they're, they're wonderful. Um, and, and I think really kind of capture, you know, what you're trying to do as a performer and especially with kind of playing different characters and creating characters and, and all of that. Um, so, well, we'll get back to your origins here. Um, you began studying music formally at the age of 12 and, and you'd said that you developed a, a deep affinity for opera and classical music. And then you had four years of conservatory training. Yes. Um, and then that wrapped up right, uh, as, as the world was, you know, going into lockdown mm -hmm. and, and that turned out, you know, the pandemic, um, 
you know, for you, it sounds like that was, that was a pivotal moment and sort of shifting you away from taking more of a, uh, traditional conservatory path. Is that, is that correct? Yes, exactly. And, um, I have been involved in, in shows and singing and musical theater type productions since I was even younger than 12, but it was probably at the age of 12 where I really started to focus on singing as a, you know, a, a long-term goal. And, and, and like, that's what I wanted to do as my career. Um, but I always knew somewhere in my heart, I guess you could say that it wasn't going to be the end all <laughs> for me. I've always wanted to write music and I've always been inspired by, you know, the, the artists that I just mentioned, even from a really young age, those were really big influences on me, even right. as a young child. So even as I was, had my nose to the grindstone working on classical music, Inside, I always knew that I was going to take all of my education in classical music and find a way to apply those years of focus and um, technique, all those things to the kind of music that I wanted to make. It just took me a while to actualize it. Right. And I wanted to do it in a way where I could offer a unique perspective, I think, because I've always dabbled with writing music, um, but I never pursued it. I never let anyone hear it. I never put it out there yeah. because I, I wanted to wait until I felt like I had, um, I don't know, um, real estate in, in music <laughs> that was like my own, you know, like, like yeah. a unique, like, okay, that sounds um, interesting. And, um, you know, just something kind of special or, I hope that's what it sounds like, but yeah, it took oh, yeah. me a while to actualize those things. My, my voice, I guess. Right, right. Well, and then, you know, I I don't have any background myself in, you know, music really at all. I mean, in terms of like, you know, beyond being a, a music fan, mm -hmm. I don't have any training. But then, you know, conservatory training sounds like, you know, very serious yeah. <laughs> and very, it's a very, you know, Going, going into like the classical world, you know, or like, um, you know, uh, performing an opera and that mm -hmm. that's a very hermetic kind of world. Right. And very, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a strict hierarchy and you don't have a lot of like flexibility for creativity. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I would suppose even if you pursued a path of being a, a composer in that context, um, it would still not be quite a good fit for, you know, what you're mm. aiming for. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah did it's you interesting that you say that, sorry to interject because oh, um, I find that there are a lot of ways in which my classical background and all my years of training have helped me immensely, you know, but mm -hmm. what I'm also finding on the contrary is that those years of being so disciplined and um, mm. having this, this regiment and um, being expected to perform in a certain way at right. a certain level um, has also made it difficult for me to break out of that norm, you know, like in, yeah. in performing live and in doing all these things. Um, I grew up feeling 
so groomed to take the stage as an opera singer and like the way you hold your body, the way you're professional, the way right. you engage and, and hold yourself. And um, it's hard for me not to resort to that and to perform like I'm performing music that's my own and not someone else's, you know? So sure. I, I'm experiencing all these, these um, new realizations about my, my background and how I'm bringing that into this music ways that I, I want to, and then ways that I want to stop. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. An interesting dynamic between the two. Yeah. I can imagine. Although I, you know, there's gotta be some benefits to having that kind of those parameters set for you in that training. Yeah. Right. So in a way, Maybe um, I feel like artists working within some kind of set parameters can kind of oddly enough, like in, in a, in a contradictory way, almost inspire other types of creativity because you're having to, yeah. you're, you're working within like, you know, set boundaries in a way, but then you're, 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 you're sort of like finding ways to express yourself mm -hmm. within those, within those boundaries, if that makes sense. I, I agree with you 100%. I do think there's something unique and, and special going on when, when you do have, you know, boundaries. Absolutely. So this is, you know, this really struck me in our online interview. You, you kind of had this epiphany as a kid. Um, mm. I, I love this story. You were in the backseat of your mom's ex expedition. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just and to joke about it. We used to call that car, the green rolling turd. So oh. <laughs> it was a green expedition and it was um, not a very attractive one, but I continue. But, you know, thought that'd be a funny note. <laughs> got you from point A to point B. Sounds like. Yeah, did the job. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I also had musical epiphanies in the back seat, So it's all yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like um, your, your dad had, had some good music taste. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was playing a mix CD with like uh, Sade <laughs> and Tom Tom club mariah carey debbie harry uh -huh. but then but then so you're you had this kind of like um realization by uh, from the song pavement cracks by mm -hmm. annie lennox and, yeah. and and something like something about that song just like i don't know something like broke open inside you it sounds it like when you heard it it did it suddenly <laughs> i viewed music in an entirely different way as a young child just because um I don't know, just like the sonic landscape of the sound made me feel such a way that I was able to step away from the way I was feeling and go, wow, how did that just make me feel that way? Those were just, yeah. you know, textures, um, unique tones from instruments and, and an arrangement that um, transported me. And I guess it kind of broke the fourth wall because I realized I was being transported, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and that has, that's always been such a important memory for me because, um, I don't know. I, I like to think about music with that being the most important thing about it is like, is someone going to be transported? Um, yeah, and yeah. I like the idea of being transported to an entirely different place and, and time and spirit. And I mean, even if it's modern day world, just being transported out of your, everyday life you know yeah. it's just it's such a powerful and beautiful thing so that's one of the main reasons why i'm just so grateful that i get to be a part of music and that i'm i'm hopefully tapping into that somehow so yeah for sure so this was when you were around 12 or was it a little bit earlier 
Oh, I I think I must have been six. Oh, wow. Or five, seven around. This was much, much younger than, yeah, 12. It sounds like this was a very, a very intuitive response. Yeah, just, I it think just so. hit you. I mean, I was uh, going to ask your your family background. I mean, is there uh, are your parents musicians? Do you have musicians in your family? <laughs> no, I don't come from uh, any music. No, <laughs> no musicians are in my family. This, um, wow. <laughs> but my dad has always, um, always been playing music my my entire life. You know. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's maybe cliche to hear, you know, musicians talk about like, yeah, my dad took the speakers and put them up against (laughs) my mom's stomach. And, you know, I feel like that happens a lot, but that definitely happened to me. And my dad's taste of music definitely um, set a big, big um, play into the music that I listened to. Like my dad was always playing Enya, Dead Can Dance, Wow. Um, all the 80s. Yeah, like real far out music. Like and kinda, I have to say it definitely helped me in the long run. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like he was he was kind of like a fan of there was that label 4AD. Yeah. Which, absolutely. I don't know. I, I I don't know if they're still around actually. Yeah, um, they are. They I, are. I'll okay, tell cool. you that because I they're still my, they're my dream label and I am <laughs> hoping one day <laughs> uh, my music when I send it to them I'll I'll get a response and they'll say, "Yeah, actually we like what you're doing." Oh, wow. And, uh, we'd like to continue the conversation. That would be full circle. That would yeah, be amazing. It would. It would. Yeah, no, a lot of 4AD mean, artists for sure. You are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and 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 they their, you know, their their uh, roster basically like infiltrated your your brain. From it a did, age. it did. I just de- <laughs> I downloaded it. <laughs> I just yeah, would listen, yeah. <laughs> and I I filed it somewhere in my brain, and I still have it filed. And I'm just so happy that I I was introduced to it at a young age because it definitely guided my entire musical trajectory. I mean, the music yeah. that I was listening to in middle school and high school. Um, I feel pretty blessed that my dad introduced me to that music at such a young age because you know when you're young and your brain is still so malleable hearing those types of things that um you know a five-year-old wouldn't necessarily you know want to listen to i think definitely created some type of um maybe musical other Uh, like musical language in my head for sure yeah well you weren't it doesn't (laughs) sound like you were listening to like what barney or sesame street too Uh maybe a little bit but (laughs) But yeah, uh, you had on and off. You, you had this <laughs> experimental '80s like uh, yeah. music. Always playing, playing. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Um, what was it? This Mortal Coil too was oh. one of them on 480, right? Yeah, big one. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely everybody. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a fan fave. I, I love this Mortal Coil. That whole collective. I, yeah. I really. I just got to say, 480. <laughs> if you're ever listening to this, I just. I love you. I love all the artists that have yeah, ever been involved on. on 4AD. I know. This... And even today, like my some of my favorite artists are on 4AD today. Like um, Aldous Harding, one of my favorite contemporary musicians. She's incredible. Oh. And she's signed to 4AD too. So they definitely have um, good taste in artists. <laughs> well, there you go, 4AD. If, it, yeah. if there's a rep out there listening, the, exactly. you always your next your next superstar. Come yeah, on. I just plugged myself. So please. <laughs> um, well, so you had said that I approach my own music like I would approach an aria or art mm-hmm. song. And, and so could you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think that's really, 
that's a you know an aria itself that that's a you know that's that's basically a cappella, right? I mean, it's just you singing, um, and you're and and that's sort of how you approach like uh, character building um, within a song. It sounds like, yeah. Um, so an aria essentially is um, a song like a solo moment for a character within an opera, like a right. big moment of expressing um, their, their stance in the story or their emotions, or, I mean, like these, these big emotional long moments of, right. of expressing oneself. And um, usually before getting into an aria, there are, there's so much that you have to do before learning the music because an aria isn't just, you know, oh, this story, like I'm saying that I'm sad. So, you know, it's not just a one dimensional sad song. Usually there are layers of complexities that about this character from this story, you know, like love triangles, a death. My father says, I can't be with you. Um, (laughs) I'm poor and I can't like, you know, all these things that you have to use to craft this character's life. And essentially... I think that in order to do that that story any justice, you really have to dig deep and create a narrative that you can sink yourself into and draw yeah. from like emotionally and psychologically. And um to prepare an art song, I mean, yeah, like but before even really um perfecting the music, I really like to see where the arcs are, like the micro hmm. arcs, the the bigger arcs, like where are we in in this phrase, maybe you feel you know, resentment here and then more embarrassment here or like, you know, like just all these little micro um, emotions that make us human and and give those performances, like make them feel real. And that's something that I really hope that I can infuse into my music and that I think I can do so at an even stronger degree. Right now, I think I'm barely touching the surface of, of how, those things can be felt and heard in music. Mm-hmm. Um, but but obviously I wouldn't want to like go overboard. It's not musical theater, right? Like then the kind yeah. of music that I'm making, I'm not trying to make any musical theater songs, but um, I think it just makes the performance and the experience with the music way more captivating. So. Um, right. Yeah. And this touches back to what we were, you know, getting into with your, your conservatory training, because you're using this, this classical, operatic form yeah. as a way to f- kind of a fi- find a way in to a character. Yeah. So um what's that process like? You know, you're 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 building a song around mm-hmm. this aria approach. Do you kind of do you actually sit down and like write out like even before you write the lyrics like kind of mm-hmm. like a character sketch? It sounds almost like writing writing fiction in a way (laughs) you know i think i think for me and in my creative process that um the evaluation of those emotions and where the character is going comes after everything's written and i can see it after the music and the lyrics are already kind of solidified Mm. um it's something that i i do when i'm maybe performing the song. And when I'm writing, it's almost like that can't come until uh, I've really understood what the song is about. And sometimes it, I don't even know, like, you know, I, I don't sit down and say, I, I I want to write a song about a character like this. Mm-hmm. I never, you know, I'm just kind of, I'll get an idea 
and kind of get into a flow. Maybe I'm just throwing out words that make no sense and just keep going over and over and over again, just with nonsense, essentially like gibberish. And then I'll find like a a seed within that gibberish that makes sense (laughs) to me. And it just kind of sends me to a character or to a, to a story or an environment that I can then kind of just craft. And then after I've done that, I can go back and see like, Oh wow, you know, in this part, you know, I'm 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 sad or I'm happy, I'm whatever. But in this part is actually this this is the moment of reflection. So this needs to be saying differently, and and it's reflected in the music. And you know, you start to make all those connections. Yeah. And I think that process came from studying classical music, where right. it's 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 similar. Like, you know, all those micro um, emotions and expressions that I was mentioning are reflected in the music you know it's not just lyrics it's it's certain special notes within the chord that you know you feel you may not hear it but you really feel it and then it it just like the landscape of um the emotions is just incredible within not even an aria but in, in art songs or i guess any piece of classical music where you're performing um someone's story someone's point of right and I guess that's what I do in my music. <laughs> yeah, well, you you'd said in in our, our original interview um, that this this practice is a way of honoring the poetry and its poet, the composition yeah. and its composer, and it's the gateway of surrendering to something much bigger than yourself, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was you know was a beautiful way to put it. And then um, you you'd mentioned that the creative process for so you just put out this EP called Channels. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, you know, that, that was a big part of the creative process with creating that album. And then you said the channels has a, has a double meaning because the majority of the songs are not, you know, they're not completely autobiographical. There's Mm -hmm. parts of you flowing through each of them, but they're, yeah. So, you know, this is like, um, very multifaceted approach. It sounds like, and, and, (laughs) and, you know, going back to that word intuitive again, but you're, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're taking like this, uh, not very like um straightforward approach i would say you're you're sort of like reaching out into the ether you know thank you yeah. you see what you can I, find i think so um i'm really <laughs> I, I i i i'm really grateful that i can um enter that state because i i do uh, although although there's certainly a part of me in all of these songs that that stems from a, an experience because I have to have that um, some form of experience with it, these situations or these narratives in order to feel them right, right. like maybe just in, in a different regard. But yeah. um, I I do sometimes just feel like something else just takes over and the song kind of writes itself, <laughs> and I'm I'm literally just the voice, and I I help make it live in this world, but it's not really me. Well, it, it, I can't take credit for it fully. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that goes into the, the, the title channels, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're I'm, you know, and it's funny because you, you do hear artists talk about this and especially writers, you know, um, there was that practice, I think in the Victorian era of automatic writing, mm-hmm. you know about that where, and it was, it was, familiar. it was kind of rooted in like spiritualism, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, from that from that time period where a, a writer would sit down and 
I think just like open themselves up to, you yeah. know, being a con like a conduit, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of exactly. sounds like that's, that's what you're doing. It, it's, it sounds a little like, you know, that phrase woo woo, but <laughs> yeah, I know what's funny is it sounds a little, it does. And, and <clears throat> I guess that's why it's sometimes a little tricky to not tricky to talk about, but I almost just, but people might like, kind of roll their eyes. Make, exactly. <laughs> and I don't want to make myself sound special. Like, oh, wow. So you just like pulled this song. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to make me sound like, yeah, I have this special gift and I can just, a song just yeah. comes to me. Like, no, it's, you know, that, that sound, makes it sound like I'm, I'm full of myself and it doesn't feel that way. It's just like a very sacred, special experience, yeah. creative experience where I just feel like I can surrender my ego and oh, let something mm -hmm. else, you know, come to me. And, and it's, yeah. why i live to do this music it's it's the most exciting most special thrilling feeling is <laughs> when you know you're just working on something and um it just comes to you and you're like whoa i have no idea where that came from but it got here and thank you whoever sent it you know <laughs> yeah so. yeah well yeah that notion of surrender surrendering yourself and surrendering your ego yeah. Is, is interesting also considering how much ego is involved in you know being an artist in general too yeah you know so yeah i don't know <laughs> I, that, that's an interesting kind of contrast you know um you're surrendering the ego um yeah. while at the same time identifying yourself as a as an artist and with this process how do you what i'm wondering is how do you know when something is done this sounds like it can yeah. be quite a lengthy process developing these mm. songs and, and you know like opening yourself up to this input mm -hmm. you know <laughs> is there an I'm answer like, for that <laughs> right I, i'm I'm wondering the same thing <clears throat> sometimes they come really fast and sometimes sometimes you just have to keep going back to the drawing board and revisiting and revisiting is like is there anything here um yeah you know some like i said sometimes i'll just sit down and the picture is painted so clearly that i can just get it all down and, and and it seems like one session of writing and other mm -hmm. times I'll get something that I feel really attached to and, and maybe it's not finished yet but I have to let it sit I have to let it sit until I can go back and actually um think about it through almost through like a different lens like of finishing a song you know right. what I mean because it's right. hard to go back after you've you've captured something magical and you don't know how it got there and you're just like almost like afraid to go and touch it because you know <laughs> you just you just somehow wove together like these words in this music and, and made this beautiful little thing and sometimes i have to let that sit and come back a couple months later and be like okay now that i'm thinking rationally what can i add <laughs> to this that's you know enhancing what's here um but as far as like the production and everything else goes that those things can take a long time because you know you just want to make sure you're doing justice for the song with all the you know musical instruments right. the arrangement the all those things and it, it's really good to kind of let let those sit and then come back and say okay is this adding or is it taking away is this you know all those questions right but um i don't know if i veered off of your original question now <laughs> well actually that kind of leads into what i was going to ask next because channels was was produced by peter m murray yes and um we had talked about that in the first interview. Um, but, you know, you know, uh, speaking about this process, so how, in what ways did, did uh, Peter kind of help you with solidifying these songs? Like when, when you met and started working together, did you already have, 
these songs kind of basically finished and worked out or was he kind of integral to the process of kind of really you know like solidifying them or how did that work yeah peter is amazing um some of these songs were not formed at all like some like Mm -hmm. um haunted tune i sent to peter completely acapella i Ah. had no chords i had i had no idea where the production should go i just kind of wrote the words and the melody and i could hear everything around it the harmonies but um so when we worked on that song everything that you hear in that song was all peter's vision and that's maybe why it's one of my favorite songs on the ep because it's incredible that he was able to just take my lyrics and my 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 verses my chorus my top line and create the world around it exactly how i felt it you know, it's really difficult to explain something to someone that you see in your head with words, right? Like without yeah. trying to like, you know, how do you paint a picture? How do you how do you use language to explain something that's so difficult to explain? And I just think that Peter and I have such a um, beautiful relationship because he really can see my songs through my eyes. And it's rare that you find people that can do that. So yeah. However sure. he listened to the demos and however he listens to my music now, it's amazing. He can he can really see the end product because I sent him sketches that are so rough and just so, you know, far from being finished. And he he can really hear it and hear how it's how the song wants to be, you know, with everything else aside. And uh, he can he can really um just feel it and hear it. It's amazing. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. And then also, this is just sounds like a, a, a lucky kind of happenstance meeting because you met on a a, a freelance, a, a website for freelance musicians. <laughs> yeah. Right, called Sound Better. It's hilarious. I, I love, <laughs> I love telling this story because um, it's like online dating, you know, when you hear like, yeah, some people, it works for some people. And then you hear those one, like that, that's percent of people. They're like, yeah, we just met and was meant to be and he was the real pr- he was he was what he looked like <laughs> in his pictures and so um i remember when peter and i met for the first time we we had just been like internet pals you know before we'd actually before i went to new york and before we started working on this music and just like seeing each other for the first time and being like okay you're not lying about who you are and i'm not lying <laughs> about who i am and let's let's make some music <laughs> yeah that's great i mean yeah that yeah you're right the 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 analogy to online dating is funny because yeah uh-huh. most of the time it doesn't work but like right. you know the, the the connections just don't happen but this was exactly. this this, this maybe was meant to be i it know like, and what's even funnier about it is that um peter and i when we had both registered ourselves on this website we both had a very skeptical view of this whole platform and it, uh-huh. and i did too like yeah. coming out of the classical music world and not having any resources for people to mix things, um, for people to play instruments that are outside of the classical palette, you know, all these, I wanted, I was trying to seek instrumentalists that could play on these songs in a way that um, I, I didn't know anyone who could. And so I was very skeptical going into it. Like, how am I just going to send this person my file and type what I want them to do? And they're just going to send it back to me. Like, you know, like we're not in the same room together. We're not yeah. feeling it out. Like, I just didn't think it was going to work. And um, sometimes it did. And sometimes it really didn't. 
And, but you just, it's a gamble. And with Peter, I'm just so lucky that it, it really worked out. Cause here we are like two years later and he's helping me produce the full record, the full length record. And um, yeah. so we're cruising. <laughs> does, does he have any kind of classical background himself? Any no, kind of conservatory classical training? Or? Yeah. Peter's an anomaly to me, especially cause I, do come from the world where, you know, all the musicians that I knew were like being forced to play piano by their parents since they were like five years old. Peter yeah. wasn't forced um, to do music. He loved music so much. And a lot of people were telling him not to do it. And, you know, it, right. it was his responsibility to be like, this is what I love. This is what I'm going to do. And he pursued it. And it's amazing to me that he is um, the musician that he is without any of that background. It's all it all came to him organically and yeah, just intuitionally. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I just asked about his background in particular because um, it sounds like he understands where you're coming from, you know, with this yeah. like aria approach and, you know, this kind of more formalized <laughs> approach, but he doesn't have that training himself, but he just got it. So yeah, yeah he's, it's cool. he's really great to work with. He, is very yeah intuitive and very patient and accepting and and really just hears the song i guess i'm repeating this but really hears the song for what it wants to be and um doesn't put himself before that right you know so he's really special yeah and kind of sounds like <clears throat> the opposite of working with like a phil Spector kind of <laughs> producer right? yeah, it's just right? like it's my my way or the highway you're gonna do it uh -huh. this way Right. crazy yeah. i yeah, i'm actually good. reading a, a really in-depth biography of um leonard cohen right now oh. and he you know he recorded this album death of a ladies man mm -hmm. um in the late 70s with phil Spector, and it's a really weird outlier album for him because you know before that it was kind of just like folk rock that he was doing or singer song yeah. songwriter stuff and you know phil Spector had this big wall of sound you know, like yeah, bombastic kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. And he kind of like literally forced, you know, Leonard Cohen to, to, <laughs> to uh, ad adhere to that. And it's a really weird album. And it, it, I, I think of like a lot of his more like uh, devoted fans, you know, it's a contra controversial album in a weird way. Right. But anyways, that's a little bit of a tangent, but, no, you know, I I'm just thinking about album. this. Uh-huh. Just because, you know, th th that's a case of where it's like you got to the, the producer is su such a powerful creative force that they're just going to like. And I think literally at gunpoint, he made him do it, you know, like <laughs> right. Spectre Life Guns, yeah. you know, yeah. kinda, kinda dark um, guy. But <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and on that, I, I what I also really appreciate about Peter is that, you know, we have the kind of relationship now where. I like when he challenges me to do things that are outside of my comfort zone, you know, because I feel mm -hmm. safe when I'm layering my voice and making harmonies and kind of creating like this ethereal world. And, and I like um, when he challenges me to try different things um, because that's such a healthy approach, especially in music, sure. like to keep reinventing sound, to keep pushing the, pushing limits and so right. i'm really excited for this new album to come out because i think i naturally am doing something that feels um different from channels absolutely i mean it's it's connected but the 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 
the size of the songs are much bigger. And I think the emotions are bigger. And I think everything has just kind of like increased. Yeah. And so it, it's cool to see how we're changing from channels and, and the EP into this full length record where everything feels like it's becoming a lot bigger. So it's cool. So this, the full album, is it going to be kind of like um, an expansion on channels? Like, are there going to be songs that are in channels in the album or is this something totally new? No, it's something totally new. Oh, wow. it's, yeah, it's all new music right now. We have nine songs and we're hoping to not stop there. Just kind of see how, mm-hmm. where everything fits into place once the album is a little more actualized and yeah, it, it's it's definitely it's it's in a similar world for sure. But all I I would th- I I think that these songs feel very different than channels in some regard. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. <laughs> to see how it goes over. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that that's cool to hear because I just kind of um, assumed that it was going to be some kind of extension of channels. I don't know why, mm, but. Mm-hmm. But I mean, because channels itself, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's an EP, but it 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 feels bigger than that. I think because it has a big sound, you yes. know, yeah, and this kind of sweeping sense to it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I didn't even think of it really as an EP, even though, like, I guess it, what makes it an EP, it just has less songs than an LP, right? Yeah, you know? totally. and of course, the, these these are like really old school distinctions, anyways, you know. <laughs> Talking I about know. you know these are like old old vinyl record distinctions that don't really right. make any sense <laughs> in the digital world, but they're still they're still marketed that way. Yeah, you know? still the standard. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, but, well, that's I'm glad that um, channels feels that way because you're right. Just kind of like saying the word EP and seeing like six or five songs, it feels very kind of humble and small. But I do think that each of those songs. Um, have a weight to them where it, it feels much bigger than just a five track, six track EP. Yeah. So I'm really happy that you feel that way about it too. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the next record. Do you have a title for it yet or no title, no from okay. no projected release date yet. <laughs> um, everything's feeling really good so far though, but um, cool. yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really excited about this music because I think I'm tapping into a part of myself that feels a lot freer. And maybe that's mm. the years of classical music feeling kind of confined and um, like I have to perform and sing and be a certain way, you know, like the, these songs definitely feel freer and a lot more, um, hmm, I don't know, maybe just liberated or, or just, hmm, I don't know. I guess maybe I shouldn't put any words on it before it comes <laughs> out. Maybe other people will, you know, think of it in an entirely different way, but I, I guess that's how it feels for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like it's, it's been a good experience so far. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're you're kind of going to whatever your next level is with this. Yeah. Um, cool. Um I definitely want to get into a couple of your videos and 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 so on in the uh, online in- interview we did. We talked about um the video for your song Fruit <laughs> which yeah. you know and and also um your video for Shout. So we'll talk about that too. But um Fruit is the first one I saw and you know I 
I had mentioned in in our our first interview that it looked like it was just a hell of a lot of fun to put together <laughs> and shoot. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of um, well, there's a lot of food. It's kind of like alluring and gross at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, so it, there's there, there's, and I think that fits. I you know I I don't. I don't. I didn't. I wasn't actually able to read all the lyrics or get all the lyrics. But um, could you talk a little bit about that song? Like, who is that character, and how does that character fit into the character that you're playing in the prison cafeteria? Because the whole thing is set basically in a prison cafeteria. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where to begin with that huge world? Um, <laughs> Root the lyrics and the character. I mean, the song came from who the, the from the character. I, I think that like all the um, decisions we made musically, or at least from my standpoint, came from an understanding of this character. And mm-hmm. um, I hope that those musical decisions reflected who this person is. And for me, it was really the paradox that interested me the most which is the lyrics are i'm this you know bombshell hot thing and (laughs) larger than life confidence um sex appeal just like oozing sex appeal but what interested me the most is physically if you're the complete opposite you know it Mm -hmm. viewed through societal standards you know and so for me, it was the interesting part was the psychology in this character for thinking and, and being this brave and being this confident and like unhinged when essentially <laughs> they, you know, would never be assumed to be that way. And it's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I love that character. And uh, in the video, I wanted that to come across. Um, I hope it did. But yeah, the video is ridiculous. I mean, the yeah. video is hilarious what's funny about it is that i really wanted the video to come off as serious but it turned into this campy it is very campy yeah it's so (laughs) campy and i hope that it's campy ironically you know what i mean where it's like oh okay it's intentionally campy and and it's because it wasn't all these decisions were intentional but i wanted it to come off as a much serious much more serious video so now i just think it's even more hilarious that it's campy and over the top ridiculous because at first I wanted it to be a real poignant wow. <laughs> video. <laughs> yeah, no, I never would have guessed that watching I know. It. Well clearly so that character that's not what that character wanted. <laughs> no, not at all. The character and kind I of think, took over the shoot, yeah, sounds like <laughs> she did. She just took over and that day just like uh, I mentioned this in the interview, but we had to shoot that entire video in a f- one day. And because, oh, you know, yeah, that's, we're that's on wild. a budget, we're just doing these things like DIY. And I only had the kitchen rented for a certain amount of hours. And we had yeah. to have everybody show up on time. And then just kind of like putting them in the shot and just like rotating people in and out. I mean, we even did the motorcycle scene that morning. That was like the first thing we <laughs> did at like, as soon as the sun came up, then we hit the the food um that kitchen where we filmed it so yeah that day was a whirlwind maybe the unhingedness of that character is also me just being completely just insane from the day being (laughs) overwhelming and i'm exhausted and like the whole process leading up to it was crazy so that was probably pretty natural (laughs) yeah 
No, it sounds like it, it served the video well. Yeah, you know, literally those, those served time. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, you had said that um, with the video itself kind of be this character being surrounded by macho heteronormative criminals <laughs> strengthens <Yes>. the character's <laughs> psychology. Yeah. <laughs> and pay, tri- pay tribute to the neorealism efforts of the piece. Mm-hmm. Which, well, the neorealism effort sounds like that was the original intent. But yes, really it was. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the interview, but at the time, my biggest inspiration was Fellini. And I really <laughs> wanted this video to have a Fellini oh, it does, feeling. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that because <laughs> I that's the, those are like the serious tones that I wanted to have. Yet, you know, I wanted to hit on something that's really maybe dark or interesting or like um, difficult to wrap your head around, you know, just like this idea of belief and how we, our belief really creates our own reality, you know? And so behind the campiness, I wanted there to be this, this really stronger, more poignant message. But um, yeah, I, I was really into Fellini as I was coming up with the entire plot for that video and specifically the movie, Juliet and the Spirits. Oh, um, yeah. It's one of his later films where, you know, it's like neorealism, but you still have Mm -hmm. like the um, kind of like working class figure or just like like a normal person and yet turns totally fantastical and you don't really know which reality is true. You know, you're like, okay, so is this, you know, modern day? Is this like, is this, is this the narrative or is this really what's happening? So I, I, I liked that. Um, idea and that's kind of where also fruit took off as well because you're you're asking yourself so what's real like is she this person or is she not are these things happening or are they not is it a dream or is it just like this crazy universe where these things are yeah. taking place i don't know well well either way spoil i guess it's kind of a spoiler alert toward the end because um it, it does kind of go back to her kind of dismal reality at the very yeah. right the very mm-hmm. last shot exactly like you, you 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 kind of see her like like uh settling back into her mm-hmm. you know the, this dreary existence yeah. um yeah which um uh, you know i i've seen a fair amount of fellini but um was it juliet of the spirits yes that's, yeah, the one. that's actually one i haven't seen i need to watch that one but oh it's but, stunning um, it's funny because, uh, I was, when you were talking about Fellinium, I was, before you mentioned Julie, the spirits, I was trying to figure out like what film was cool. I was thinking <laughs> of N- Knights of Kiberia. Oh yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, although in that case, um, this is spoiler alert for anyone who mm-hmm. hasn't seen that, this, <laughs> this film, but that, you know, that, that is such a, like an oblique film, Yeah. <laughs> but, but it ends on this, like it's kind of the opposite of the ending of, of fruit because, Mm -hmm. you know, um, she's been completely abandoned by this guy that, you know, um, she was in love with it. You know, uh, it was this sham marriage, basically steals her money. You know, you you remember this ending, you know, and then, and it's just this strangely uplifting ending where she's like walking along this road and crying, but then Mm -hmm. there's this marching band comes by, I believe. And it's insane. Clowns. And, and and it's and it's kind of weirdly poignant mm-hmm. um and she's sort of like um like her 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 humanity is rejuvenated by that yeah. um another tangent there but that uh, the, i i'm bringing that up in 
I don't know. To me, it's just kind of it's kind of the opposite of the end of yeah. of, of fruit. But anyways, um, right? The fruit fruit like, is like crazy at the beginning, and at the end, you're like, yeah. oh, ouch! I guess we just like more of a want want ending rather than <laughs> right. a hopeful. Like, oh, she is she is the woman we want her to be. Like, she is yeah. like bombastic and you know just brazen with sex appeal but actually it's it's the opposite and i don't know i always like a twist so for me that was kind of the the twist at the end now you worked with uh the the dp evan wiley yes um and then um so speaking of fellini did you did you talk about how you wanted Mm -hmm. this to be fellini-esque in in terms of the the look and I did. I definitely yeah. um, was expressing to Evan how I wanted this to feel like a Fellini film. And I just laugh at myself now because it was such like a naive um, and like undertaking <sighs> to think I was going to go into my first music video thinking I could make something like Fellini. It was just hilarious. But um, that was the inspo. And uh, afterwards, I was happy with how everything had turned out, but it was such a important moment after doing all the editing and seeing the film because I learned so much from the shoot and I could see all of its weaknesses and I could see the strengths and I could see like most importantly how badly I wanted to improve on the next one and that's kind of where shout comes into place because after we filmed fruit I just had this bug to keep making videos and to bring these images to life that I've always had for the songs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just kind of became obsessed with it. And fruit was like the, that first little taste of seriously directing, delegating, doing everything, you know, and working with Evan who was incredible and, and having to relay, uh, you know, my ideas to him and then him understanding it and, and delivering and just, it, it was so addicting. That whole process is so fun oh yeah no i can imagine and it kind of sounds to me like in a way um evan your your working relationship with evan is similar to to peter yeah in the in the sense like you know they're 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 um grounding you in a way or or yeah. you know bringing in other elements that that kind of reshape it or yes. uh yeah just make you think of it perceive it in a different way um and you know adds a little bit more to the mix yeah, I um, could never do um I could never do these things without Evan. Evan makes it real. Like I'll give some crazy idea to Evan and he is the voice of reason saying, "Okay, well, if we're <laughs> going to do that, this is how we're going to have to pull it off." And I mean, and shout, "Oh my gosh." Yeah. Um, we did that entire music video in my garage. Oh, that's I have a three-car garage, and wow. um, you know, because when you're on a budget, if there's a will, there's a way. And yeah. um, we had we were trying to find potential small playhouses that we could film it in. But then I was like, no, this this production is way too big. How are we going to get all this stuff? Because I had been hoarding and collecting Christmas trees and fake flowers <laughs> and and huge towers, and like we can't even move these things, like. So I, we were like, okay, we're going to have to do it in the garage. But Evan was a mastermind on that project because, man, he was just like the best DP. Because, I, okay, I, I'm here's the script. Here's everything. And I'm, I'm providing all the parts. And then Evan was like, okay, here's how we pull it off. You know, he was that, yeah. extra, that extra genius element that really made it happen. 
So, and I love Evan because I, as you can tell, I'm a really spastic person. And when I get on set, man, I'm just like (sighs) flying around and he is so cool and calm and collected and he really keeps everyone focused and his excite. That's how he actually shows his excitement. Like the more serious and focused Evan is, the more excited (laughs) he is inside because he wants to, he wants to get the shot so badly. He does not want to risk anything, you know going wrong so he's he's a great <laughs> i love it well mm-hmm. shout you know i i think kind of like well it, it's this i don't know this like a mall like a like collection of like uh fairy tale stories <laughs> like kind of rooted in R- rapunzel i mean basically right yeah yeah um but you but you you play every character in that right yeah, I do. And that was another part of the the puzzle in making this video is how are we going to pull this off? If I have, you know, our shooting schedule, I have to change wardrobes. We have to film all these scenes in different orders while I'm in this outfit and then have to switch to this one. And but I you, weren't, all... you weren't on as tight of a schedule with this one, I would have mentioned. You no, were we weren't. Garage, yeah, but, but we also <laughs> did it in two days, which is insane to think about because, <laughs> wow. you yeah. know, we had to move that all the the scenery around and yeah if i were to show you the entire layout of of how we broke down our shooting schedule for that video it was just crazy like yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah it was like and that's another reason why bless evan he makes these incredible spreadsheets so organized so meticulous that show how we're gonna do everything because the worst part and like everyone's every like um filmmakers worst nightmares you know when you get to the end you're like oh we don't have enough footage oh we didn't get that shot we can't do it all again (laughs) yeah 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 it was it was so much fun no i mean well it 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 also looks really fun like you know like it was fun to do and and then one thing that um because i before this before we um did this recording started this recording i rewatched both videos and one thing that i hadn't really that hadn't really registered with me was shout the first time i watched it is suddenly at the end there was so there's this tv right mm-hmm. and and that that kind of corresponds to channels and yeah you know, like the cover of the of the album is is you i think that it's a shot of you like looking yep. into the you know into this TV. staticky tv um and then that TV is in the video, and then and then this <laughs> um, entity, whatever you are in this video, yeah. suddenly it, I don't know if they're sucked into the TV or whether they're, they're transported almost into like the into like the nineteen eighties. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's only like the last few seconds of the video. Yeah, but, that was supposed to be like the plot the the plot twist at the end. You know, it's kind of like plot um, twist. Yeah, another plot twist is that. Uh, you know, the song is the celebration of freedom or living in a confined situation. Yeah. And um, what better way to tell the story than Rapunzel, right? Like mm-hmm. trapped in a tower. But um, at the end, <laughs> I just wanted to bring to life the idea that as you're leaving one confined situation, you're just entering another, you know? And yeah. so... Rapunzel essentially hops channels like that's kind of how I see it she like is able to leave her own channel and enters another one you know not not fully out of the out of the maze or out of the labyrinth of life I guess just stuck in another (laughs) 
I'm stuck on another frequency or <laughs> channel. Yeah, yeah. So, I love it. Well, yeah. Well, that, that ties into kind of the whole theme. I think of what you're going for with, yeah. the, with the EP. That one did um, literally for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this leads into. Um, I wanted to just kind of wrap this up by talking about just the theatricality and the costuming, the character, because there's a lot of that in that video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're playing all these different characters, and it's very whimsical in that sense. And then mm-hmm. that made me wonder, and this is a question I asked originally, um, performing live. because, and, th- and this kind of goes back to all the performance art aspect of it. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking of, again, like, you know, performers like Laura Anderson, you know, kind of they mix in, um, you know, uh, musicianship and and singing and and they're not just musicians they're not just singers you know like if you mm-hmm. uh, watch one of her performances there it, it's theater too yeah and so I I was trying to envision like what would a live show with you <laughs> like um, and yeah. of course you know um, there's all kinds of things to take into consideration if you're touring and you can't do a big you know like live production yeah. at this point. I don't have the budget for that, like how you'd like to do it. But, um, well, first of all, have you, have you performed any, any of, any of this material live? Like, um, have you tried it out on stage or? Yeah. I've only had one opportunity to sing only, only two songs from channels. So I haven't actually performed the entire work yet, um, live, but, I love that you asked that question because it's something that I hadn't really thought much of yet. Like, you know, is it interesting if I, as I sing these songs, I I do, you know, personify these characters that I see and that I, that I write the stories around because that would make for a really interesting show. And I, that's the kind of show that, if I saw someone doing that, I don't think I'd be able to take my eyes off it. So I really like that idea. It might be something that I definitely play around with because that is such a huge part of my music. Why not bring that to life on stage happening yeah. in real time if if it's suitable? So I'm really happy that you asked. Maybe well, you I'll know, have to try it out. I think you should. And, and this is making me think of like, you don't necessarily need a huge like budget or production Mm -hmm. to even do that, you know? Um, And that could almost be um, kind of the, the, a a campy element to a live performance. If you know, you're in a little uh, you know, whatever, (laughs) like indie rock club venue or whatever you're Uh playing and you know, you, you could still do a bunch of costume changes, maybe also, get a couple of backup dancers i don't know <laughs> right or or even better i should just um tour with that tower that i made just put that on stage <laughs> and do like a surprise pop out and sing from the yeah, the yeah. sing from the tower that would make a pretty unusual <laughs> entrance <laughs> i i so, j- this came to my mind um have you ever heard of jennifer vanilla no so jennifer vanilla is um I guess they call themselves a, a performance artist more or less, but mm-hmm. they're also a musician. Um, they're based in New York and um, Jennifer Vanilla. I've done, I've done two interviews with them and, um, and something about what, what, what they do with that character kind of reminds me of like what you're doing with you, mm-hmm. with Yule. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
check out check out their stuff um because they do a lot like i've seen them perform live um i don't know at least two or three times and you know they're not they're not like expensive productions by any means they're they're in like you know smaller venues and Mm -hmm. and it's it's very diy but there's this huge theatricality to what they do um and it's kind of even hard to in the way that you you're you know you struggle to explain what you do Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) with your work uh it's it's even though i've interviewed them you know a couple of times and they've gotten pretty deep into their process um, just trying to, ex- you really have to just watch their videos and, and watch some of the live performances, but yeah, oh, you can wait. take that. I think, I think that could be good, you know, maybe yeah. inspiration template for you with, with live performance, because they do a lot with, with kind of very little and they mm-hmm. actually do kind of costume changes and they have multiple personas that they do in one performance, you know, um, and you don't even kind of notice Mm-hmm. At least I didn't when I when I've seen them um like switch out into the different persona. So yeah. That's um, so cool. Yeah. So I love that idea. I mean, it's like why not why not go a, all out? Just send it, you know, just take the opportunity yeah. and and if if you can you know, just uh-huh. make it everything it can be. That's that's so cool. But I can't wait to check them out. Jennifer Vanilla. Jennifer okay. Vanilla, yeah. Noted. They're 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 kind of in the same universe. I feel like as Yule. <laughs> oh, super cool! Um, That's awesome. And I will have to go listen to the podcast now. Well, I haven't I haven't done a podcast with with uh, oh, okay with uh, Jennifer, but it's it's two it's two interviews um, that are up on the on the website. Okay. Um, but actually, I um, I am I they're on my list um, to do a <laughs> podcast with. I, I would love to talk to them in this format. Um, but I, but I did like in, in, in those interviews, like there are videos embedded. So, you know, yeah, you, you can do a deep dive into, into their work. I, I just love the, 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 their commitment to, to the character. It's, it's several years old now. Um, and there's this whole origin story behind the character. And this is almost um, like this, like, um, interdimensional entity that found this vessel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first the first interview i did with them was in character i interviewed uh-huh. jennifer vanilla and then the second interview i interviewed their vessel becca kaufman Whoa. who uh-huh. is the the artist <laughs> and and it's there's all these layers to you know like their identity and how it's kind of shaped their own sen- sense of self so yeah um oh, couldn't, couldn't help wait. but think of them <laughs> uh-huh i can't wait to go read this this is sounds like it's <laughs> right up my alley it's Cool, totally cool. my my thing for sure i can't wait thanks for mentioning them and one last thing that i this is something i i literally just discovered today um when i was looking at your instagram mm-hmm. you are also a portrait artist <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you yeah, I, I am i do portraits as a little bit of like a side hustle slash main <laughs> hustle and uh i love it and I've always loved art. I've always loved to draw, but I've really come into my art just in the past like six years. And I mean, gosh, I have so far to go, but I love that each time I do a portrait or um, draw another person, I, I'm learning. I'm learning so much more each time and seeing a new face and learning how to handle things. And it's yeah. it's so much fun. How do you feel like it interplays with your with your music? 
if 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 at all and also like oh, yeah. kind of character development in, in, in the sense of like capturing the as when you're doing portraits you know you're mm-hmm. kind of trying to capture some kind of essence of the subject right you know if anything i think it's just made me realize that i i have a deep affinity for people like i just i've always been interested in you know and anytime we go to the museums or i just i love the portrait art i love mm. Um, the human experience and I love how different each face I draw is and how to really make that person come to life. I mean, it's just, it it is the best part of doing the portraits for me right now. And I'm sure maybe it'll change as I become a better artist, but you know, just getting mm-hmm. the eyes, the eyes perfect because for me the eyes are really such an important part i mean we all know the eyes are the winner to the soul but i usually start with the eyes and it takes me a long time until i can move on because i have to make sure that they are you know you can't you cannot rush that bit it's a very important part of the face and yeah the, the eyes are definitely um the most important part for me as i'm drawing Yes, it reminded me also though of kind of the methodical approach that you're taking when, you're, when you know that you had described earlier when you're when you're songwriting and developing mm-hmm. these characters. Yeah, I don't know. I feel yeah, like it's no. kind of an interesting overlapping. You're right. It is interesting. Art and forms. You might have connected something that I hadn't even really <laughs> connected before. I've just always been drawn to people and their stories and yeah. and their differences. And I guess that just really in- intrigues me. And maybe that's why, because I am kind of a one stick pony. I mean, one stick pony. I'm a one trick <laughs> pony when it comes to art right now. Like, um, I really just prefer to do portraits and faces. And I, I can't say I'm too. And they're they're, they're realist. I mean, they're not yeah. like. From what I've yeah. seen, they're not super stylized or anything. They're, no, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very realistic, but um, yeah. Just talking about art opens up a whole can of worms too, because <laughs> um, I see so I can see the similarities between art and music, and how to approach both. I mean, they're they're very similar mediums, actually, yeah. and um. I can work freely and flow in music just because that's more of like my first language and art is something that I'm still working on. Um, feeling like I can use technique and flow simultaneously to create something. And mm-hmm. in music, I feel like I can, I can tap into that a lot freer just because I've been doing it for a longer period of time. But in, in art, you know, there are so many, um, questions like how to, end a piece you know like once you Hmm. draw a face how do you let the rest just kind of fall off how much do you how much do you draw and how much do you leave out you know what like what do lines say what i mean there's just like so many um questions that i'm exploring right now and I, i haven't even scraped the surface of art yet but i'm i'm pretty good at capturing people realistically and mm-hmm. it'll be a challenge for me to now, after feeling like I can really capture someone's likeness, maybe how do I get away from that? And, you know, just. Yeah, that's it's, interesting. They're not they're not caricatures. Yeah. You know, yeah. To kind of make a distinction. Um, exactly. And a lot of the time, yeah. you know, I'm I'm drawing these faces because someone does want the likeness, you know, yeah, it's, it's right. my job to capture them as they are. And uh as I continue to explore art, I'm I'm interested to see 
what happens when I actually stray away from that or when I feel like I, I, I can put my ego in the back seat and not be afraid to fail or not be afraid to make something look like someone and, and really, you know, just flow. I don't don't know. I haven't, (laughs) I haven't tapped into it yet. I'm working on it. So. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, interesting compliment to the music. That's why I, I had I wanted to ask you about it because I'm like, whoa, she also is doing these portraits, <laughs> and I, I love how it's a side hustle. Maybe maybe while you tour, you can you can also like do you know like oh yeah street portrait work. <laughs> you're great that you're full of ideas. That's that would that would definitely yeah. be another fun thing. My my tour is sounding more and more like a carnival now that I think about well, it. Well, I think it we I have think different it needs to be. characters. I, what else yeah. could it be? <laughs> you know, but I'm um, might as well lean into it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, just credit me as a tour consultant if you, <laughs> if you want. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And whenever I'm in New York, um, maybe we can have you involved in the act somehow. If not that, All right. first yeah. first row tickets, backstage passes. Oh, please, yeah. <laughs> Character chair on the house. Oh yeah, <laughs> please, <laughs> please. Yes, do do my portrait. Mm-hmm. That's Anytime. all I ask. I'd love to see that. <laughs> well, listen, it was great talking with you, Yule. And also, thanks to those of you out there listening. Um, you can check out the online edition of Interlocutor Magazine at interlocutorinterviews.com. And check for updates on Instagram. It's at interlocutor.interviews. And once again, if you're a fan of our arts coverage, you can sign up to be a subscriber or throw a few bucks our way via Patreon. Just click on the Patreon link on our site. And I will be back soon with another Interlocutor Interviews podcast episode. And once more, thanks again, Yule. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you for having me. Oh, Can't my pleasure. wait to see who else you feature and oh, interview. It's been very exciting. <laughs>